Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. All right, guys. Hey, grab your Bibles and, uh, and open them. We're going to start in uh, Colossians chapter 1, but honestly... This is one of those messages where I'm not preaching from a particular text. I'm talking about something that is biblical all throughout the Bible. So just be ready uh, to do old school like Bible sword drills. Remember those things? Anybody, if you grew up in, in that denomination, you, you have to learning how to get through the scriptures. Really, really important. Uh, we're continuing our our uh, series this morning on the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and this morning we're talking about Holy Spirit baptism. <clears throat> and I know that this is going to be a, uh, a message and a topic that is going to thoroughly offend some of you, and then some of you are going to uh, be offended on, uh, in different ways, and we're just going to try to offend everybody today. That's really my goal, <laughs> right? I'm going to offend Pentecostals because I'm not, I'm not theologically Pentecostal. I'm going to uh, really offend the Baptist. I'm not theologically Baptist either, and, and they're less fun, so I'm really going to go after them. Uh, but uh, we're just going to offend everybody all around. Methodist, throw in your denomination. I'm going to offend you. So, uh, but really what I would like to do is, is, here's what offends me, is that when we're more attached to our denomination than what the Bible says, right? That offends me, uh, especially those of us who name the name Jesus. And I think that many of us, we, we have been... Uh, uh, inaugurated into our denomination, and we believe certain things, but for a million dollars, we couldn't share where those certain things come from in the scriptures. And that's just not okay with me. Is it okay with you? Are you guys okay with that? Or, or do, you, do you just, you want to listen? Hey, how many people here, do you want to stay entrenched in denominationalism? Anybody? See that hand? See that hand? Ushers, could we please escort? And, uh, I, I think none of, that doesn't sound good to any of us, right? Uh, but there's a religious spirit that would, uh, we, we, can, we can say that we don't want that, but in our hearts we want to hold on to what is familiar to us. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something today where he wants to move us into his heart more. So we'll be a Jesus church, not a denominationalized church. Amen? You're right. Hey, so I was, I was in the prayer room with our, with our staff on Tuesday, and Steve S. Palmer um, shared a story from Mark chapter 6, and it's really the story where uh, the disciples came back from ministry. They had been sent out by Jesus, and the disciples came back from ministry, and they were tired and exhausted, and Jesus was tired and exhausted by this time of his ministry as well, and so he invited the, uh, the disciples to, hey, let's get away from the crowds, and let's go to a secret place where we can rest and renew and get our, our hearts restored. And so as Jesus and his disciples got on the boat to go to a, a secret place, crowds saw them and saw where they were going. And so on foot, they followed Jesus and his disciples who were in a boat. On foot, they, they followed them. And as Jesus and his disciples were getting off of the boat, uh, huge, massive crowds were there. Do you guys remember that story? Do, do you remember, do you know what, what huge, massive crowds meant to Jesus and his disciples? It means a bunch of needy people that wanted stuff from them, right? And what happens is when you're tired and you're exhausted and you're looking at people that don't want to give you anything, they just want something from you, um, that, that, can, that can be a, a doorway for some frustration to come in and, and just say, hey, guys, you know, we're people too, and we just need to be left alone. Please honor and respect our boundaries. 
Um, but uh, Jesus looked on the crowd and actually had compassion on them and loved them and ministered to them and taught them and gave them what they needed. Okay? So here's my question this morning. Here's the reason why I'm, I'm sharing that is, is how? How many people would say that Jesus was being for us everything that we, we needed, but Jesus was also modeling what life in the kingdom is supposed to look like, right? And how many people would say we, just like Jesus, when we look at people that need from us, we, we want to have compassion uh, just fill our hearts for those people, not frustration. We want to see people with the eyes of the Father. And we want to have compassion on these people and serve them like Jesus did. Would we say that, that we want that, right? My question this, this morning is, how are we going to do that if we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? See, it's very interesting to me. That in, in so, so many of our churches, we read all of these stories about Jesus doing all these wonderful and miraculous things. And we say Jesus was our example. And we want to become more like Jesus. But we don't actually believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we begin to try to be like Jesus in our own effort. And that's called religion. And that's what the Holy Spirit is calling us out of. He actually... He, watching Jesus and trying to be like him is impossible. And we have to have the Holy Spirit if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen? All right? Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so this morning, I, I want to remind us that the way that, that Jesus operates and the way that, that God calls us to operate in the church is not by man-made plans and man-made effort and man-made power, but it's, it's not by might, our might, it's not by power, our power, but it's by the might of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, or the, the God of angel armies of heaven. So this morning, I'm just asking for grace and understanding. I think some of us, we grew up in, church, in churches where, <clears throat> where spiritual gifts and healing and hearing people speak in tongues and praying for sick people and all of that stuff, that was just normal. And what happens is it desensitizes uh, where we should have compassion for people who grew up in a different way. It desensitizes us, and we can be short with those people and say, come on, just let's go a while, come on. And we actually start to judge people that love Jesus just as much, but they need to be shepherded and walked and baby stepped into this thing and you were just kind of, you grew up in it and so you know it. And so guys, like grace and understanding, right? And other people grew up in churches where, where anything that had to do with speaking in tongues or sign gifts or ministry of the Holy Spirit, if it didn't have to do with the Bible or healing, all of that stuff, that was, that was not only you know, cautioned or frowned upon, but illegalized. And some people have grew up and some people in those places still really love Jesus, by the grace of God. Come on, guys. That's great. And still others. We've got other. Here's, here's a lot of people are, are coming to know Jesus and are getting saved, born again in this house. And there's some people here that they've, they're saved for days, weeks, or months inside of a year. And all of this stuff is new to them. They have no history. They have no background. They always thought the church was just, you know, for, for boring people. Like, I don't want to do that. But they've actually found that the, the treasure that Jesus is. And we've got those people, too, that need to be discipled and to grow and to learn. And so I'm saying, what, here's, here's what I'm committed to as the pastor of this church is I'm committed to doing this together, not throwing us in the deep end and just hoping that a few can keep up, all right? But also not bowing down to man-made, denominationalized tradition. I want us to look at the Bible, and if it steps on our toes, so be it. Are we going to go after Jesus or not? We are a Jesus church. Can I get an amen? All right? 
All right, so today my goal is to show in Scripture what, what, uh, what you may have never heard taught about but may have experienced. We're talking about the, uh, bap- the spirit baptism today, and in the charismatic church, you may have experienced this. In the non-charismatic churches, you may have experienced this as well, but you have no terminology for it. I think, uh, I, I, here's what I want us to do, is I want us to, when we get finished with this message today, I want, when this su- subject comes up, you actually know how to grab a Bible and go to places in the Bible and say, this is what that is, this is what that's not, this is what that's not, and this is what that is. All right, you see? All right, and there's just there's just too much there's too much stuff. I I love hearing the voice of God, but I don't love hearing the voice of God if it takes the place of actually reading the scriptures. All right, when you hear the voice of God, if you're not uh, if you're not grounded in the scriptures, um, you'll lack some discernment on if, if what you heard was actually God or something else, which happens. All right, and so so today. Um, today, this is what we're doing. But I want to recap because we started this series last week on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus called, remember, I had, I had the Holy Spirit in a box. I'm like, hey, buddy, you can't come out. Yeah. You know, remember that? Um, so all of that stuff. It was interesting to me. Like, I'm not going to tell many illustrations today because when I tell illustrations, like, everyone knows me for peanut butter. Everyone knows me for electrocuting my dog. All right. Everybody knows me for my stories. Almost nobody comes up to me and says, man, that was a great that was a great scripture passage, and part of that is because my primary gift is actually not teaching. I, I'm really, I'm really, uh, you know, it's, it's other stuff, all right? But today I'm going to do my best just to teach some stuff. If it comes a little out a little squirrely, it's just because that's how my brain is, that's how God made me, and I need his help, right? Good thing that Jesus taught us that the Holy Spirit is our helper, We're not supposed to do it on our own, and the Holy Spirit doesn't come along and say, good job, once we do it on our own strength. What we do is we present to him our weakness, and then he helps us in our weakness, and Jesus gets all the glory, right? So he is our helper, our advocate, our counselor. Everyone needs counseling, all right? Everyone does. And our chief counselor is God the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus uh, told us that that the, the Father had, that he is promising that the Holy Spirit would be with us. In other words, the mark of God's people, the mark of the disciples is the presence of God in their lives, okay? That he is not going to leave us as orphans. He is going to send the helper to be with us. And so we've got to get used to friendship and intimate friendship with God the Holy Spirit. He also taught, Jesus also taught us, this was last week, that the Holy Spirit is not a force or a thing or a, or a mist or a vapor, but the Holy Spirit is a person, in fact, the third person of the Trinity. Remember that? Were you guys here? Okay. Uh, did you listen back? We've got this great thing called a podcast. And uh, Anyway, you, you, the, that's what we did. But the, so the third person of the Trinity. And then we also, and here's, here's a great one. We also said, here's, here's like the primary ob- objective of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus, make much of him, ex- touch people's lives and transform them in such a way that they become people who bring glory and honor to the name and the person of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He, he's not going rogue. He's not starting his own thing. He's not, it's not, he's not inciting a rebellion away from Jesus. When you really get in tune with the Holy Spirit, as weird as it may be, it glorifies Jesus. All right? So that, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he wants to make much 
of Jesus. And so we said that we are a Jesus church, but a Jesus church has to be a Holy Spirit church or it cannot be a Jesus church. And so we have to learn about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about something here that, that some of us are going to struggle with my terms. Um, there are differences of terms, but I want to uh, issue a, a word of encouragement here. Let's not break fellowship over semantics or terms. Let's find the heartbeat of what I'm saying and move on from there. All right? Do you have your Bibles? Are you at Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 to 13? All right? This is, uh, here's where I want to start. I want to discuss what happens to Christians the moment that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ in a saving way. All right? What happens the moment they say, I'm not good enough, I can't pay for my own sins, you know, I've fallen short of God's glory, I can't do this. And when they come to the end of themselves and they surrender their whole lives and say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, I want you to be the treasure of my heart, I, I, I put all of my faith in you, save me, all right? When somebody does that through faith, um, this is what happens, Colossians chapter 1 Starting uh, with verse 11, let's look at this. And I'm, I'm, I'm popping in and out, all right? Popping in and out. But let's look at verse 11 of Colossians chapter 1. This is Paul speaking to the, the church in Colossae. May you be strengthened with all power. Man, listen, Baptist, don't skip over that, friends, all right? Listen, you, you see this, right? May, may you be strengthened with all power. That, that's a, these, are, these, are, uh, <laughs> these are words that we, we have learned to just cover up. May you be strengthened with, I don't know, something. And then we just kind of keep going. But this, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So it's not your power. It's his power. Oh, how's that get there? Well, let's keep reading. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has, listen to this, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So let's talk about a few things that happen to us the moment we believe in Christ, the moment we're converted. Number one, we're qualified by God. God's not seeing us and saying, oh, listen, you qualify. That was a good job. No, that's not how it works. Nothing is impressive to God that we do in the flesh. Like God quali qualifies us based on Christ's merit, not yours, okay? So we're actually qualified by God. We receive the promise of inheritance. We, we get delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into Jesus' kingdom, redeemed, that's meaning bought back, from the life of sin that we chose on our own and forgiven of all of our sins. Now listen, not just the sins that we did in the past and not just the sins that we're doing now, but the sins that we're going to do to come. All of our sins forgiven of at the moment that we're saved. All right. Thanks, Dave Portellis. All right, now, now listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you, wanna, if you just want to flip there, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm flipping there too. I, I decided to just read it straight out of my Bible, not even print it, all right, so I'm going to give you time. 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, this, this is what happens, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, 
Behold, the new has come. And let's look at verse 18. Let's be crazy here today, okay? Let's look at verse 18 too. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is really great stuff. So listen to this. So in Christ, we are a new creation. We are not the person that we were. In other words, we're not the old us. We are a brand new us that gets a new identity. And we don't get to say who we are. Jesus gets to say who we are, all right? And so it's totally brand new. All right, First Corinthians, now listen, so that happens at the moment of, 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 sal- of salvation. We are in Christ with a new identity. We are a new creation. The old stuff doesn't define us anymore. It's just now Jesus who says who we are. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's, let's go there for a second. Just kind of flip it. That was 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, let's look at this for a moment, uh, starting with verse uh, 13. I actually wrote this in my notes. It says this. In one spirit, remember, the, remember, I'm trying to answer what happens the, the moment that we're saved, okay? In one spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So what's happening here is the Holy Spirit is actually baptizing us into the body of Christ. He's uniting us to Christ. That's why it says in Christ. Remember uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anybody is in Christ, well, this is how you get in Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And so you are now in Christ, and you're also... Uh, you're also um, united with the body of Christ, meaning the people of God. So, so there's, a, there's a reunion going on. There's a, a uniting going on. You to Christ and you to the body of Christ. So it's, it's really important. This is why gathering as the ecclesia, the called out ones, the gathering of the called out ones, and if we have any offense towards one another, working that stuff out is important because it was, it's what happens at the gospel. It's not a suggestion. It, it, is, it is gospel. It has gospel weight to it okay you just can't say oh off to the next church i hate those people <laughs> you know like like it's, this isn't shopping for grocery stores here this is something has happened here where you've actually you belong to a people on the deepest level there is all right so it's just the 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 way that we shop for a Churches is, is astounding, and if we had the, the theological understanding to, to see, we would all just be jaw-dropped and like, what are we doing? All right? Now look at Ephesians for a moment. Uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let's look at this. All right? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says this, In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, listen what happens. Listen what happens when you believe. When you heard the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in what you heard, listen to what happens. Uh, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. All right? So when you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that can save your soul, and then you believed in him, meaning Jesus, <laughs> you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, I, I wanted to get a good definition of the word seal, so I asked Google and a picture of a, of a, 
an actual seal <laughs> popped up on my phone. I was like, huh, I wonder, man, that must have some deep Greek meaning. Uh, but uh, it's actually, it's not talking about a, a, a sea seal. It's talking about an old school seal. And actually, they're, they're not that old. We have, we have a provident seal. Whenever we have an official document that, that we need to submit to a particular place, it's a seal that presses the paper with our mark so people know this is official, this belongs to providence, all right? But back in this day, seals were, were used more like wax, and then you'd have a signet ring, and a person with power and authority had his or her own uh, mark on the ring, and hot wax would go, and they would stamp whatever it is. Like the, the, and just saying, what is in this document belongs to me, it's sanctioned by me, it's, it's, it's mine, all right? And there's lots of things that were sealed, so they, they couldn't be opened. Even in Revelation chapter 5, all heaven is in mourning because no one can open. Who and nobody in the earth could open the seals? We want to know what's in these scrolls. Who is worthy to open these seals? Well, there's one worthy. His name's Jesus, and he opens the seals and is able to access the scrolls. Okay? So there's the, the, this is the kind of seal that we're talking about. And so what the Bible was saying is that when you believed, you were sealed not with hot wax or some human being's signet ring, but you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Can I just, can I just read that one more time? In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you know that, that we are sealed and that one day we're going to actually fully acquire possession of our salvation? And we're going to be perfect in all of this stuff, man. Right, listen, the, the kingdom of heaven is invading earth, all right? It's a nasty battle, all right? But one day the battle will be completely over, not just spiritually, but also practically. And this is what this is speaking to. You see that? All right? Listen to this. Um, we're, we're just in the Bible today. I'm just going to keep going. Second uh, Corinthians. Let's go there. Chapter 1, verse 21 22. <clears throat> More seals. It says this, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Man, that's really important uh, to come back to. That's not speaking to what I'm speaking about right now. That's speaking to something I'm about to speak about in a few moments. But look at verse 22. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Do you see this? There it is again. wasn't it in Ephesians. It's here. It's there. It's everywhere. Second Corinthians, wherever in the Bible. This is what, this is, what is happening. So here's what I'm saying. At, at conversion, a lot of fantastic stuff is happening. You are made new. You are the righteousness of Jesus. You're sealed by the spirit. You have the, the Holy Spirit as a deposit in your hearts. And here's what, and here's what I'm calling all of that. I'm calling that... And, and you hang on every word and hear me out until I get to the end. But I'm calling that baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the Spirit. 
There's different baptisms. There's baptism with the Spirit slash in the Spirit. But this is what I'm calling baptism of the Spirit. It's when at conversion, Holy Spirit comes as a seal in your heart. He takes up residence. He makes you new. It's the new birth. It's salvation. You're, you're sealed and you're the righteousness of Jesus. And I'm calling that the baptism of the Spirit. It's the new birth. Of the Spirit is, is a baptism where the Spirit, listen, where, and, and by the Spirit, I just want to still be clear, by the Spirit, <laughs> I mean the Holy Spirit, the, uh, of the Spirit means the, the Spirit himself baptizes believers into Christ. Where the Holy Spirit baptizes believers into Jesus. Okay? Baptism of the Spirit. Up. If you just even just want to look, this, look at this as a grammarian, not a theologian, not a Bible student, but as a grammarian, when you look at the word of, of is genitive, it's pushing us to the subject. The subject here is the spirit. The spirit is doing uh, the work. What is he doing is he's baptizing believers into Jesus, all right, of the spirit, baptism of the spirit, you see? But one of the most common mistakes, in my opinion, that we, we make is, is we, we take this and we apply it to everything. Every time the Holy Spirit shows up, we say, wow, well, yeah, another example of how he's doing it. That, well, but the problem is, it, j- even a grammarian, not even a, you know, you don't, even a grammarian will say, no, no, sometimes it's of the Spirit, but sometimes it's with the Spirit. J- just grammatically, and if we believe that every word was inspired by the Spirit in Scripture, then we must take note of the grammar of the text. Sometimes it's of, and sometimes it's with or in. With and in can be actually uh, translated, uh, depending on the context, either way. Now let's talk about something else here. I want to keep reading here, and I want to take us in a different direction now. Let's go to, let's go to Mark, all right? The, the Gospel of Mark. Let's listen to what Jesus says. Anybody go, down with what Jesus says? Anybody good with what John the Baptist says? You guys like John the Baptist, a wild man? All right? Listen to Mark chapter 1. Man, I wonder how, how John the Baptist would be accepted in churches today. Wouldn't that be great to see? Comes in all smelly and eating weird things and like, hey, uh, security, um, you know. So listen to what, what John says in Mark chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And he preached, saying, this is John preaching, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. That, that's the baptism of repentance, preparing the way for Jesus, okay? But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Interesting. If, if you, it's, it's interesting that th- this right here, John's little sermon, uh, John's instruction about what he's doing and what Jesus is going to be doing is in all four of the Gospels. Okay, and Luke, who Luke is my favorite gospel writer, he actually he actually says this, the same thing. But in, in Luke's account, it says that he I baptize John said I, I will baptize I baptize you with water. He who is coming is mightier than I. He will baptize you with notice this with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He says. Now this shows up again in Matthew chapter three verse eleven and John chapter one verse thirty three. And you guys can read those on your own time. They all say the same thing. All right, but let's let's look at let's look at, at Luke uh, let's let's look at Luke right now. Okay, you guys having fun? Is this Bible study time? Is this more Bible you've been in in a long time? It's so fun, so happy. We're also happy here because we're in the Bible. And it's fun. We're flipping pages, and it is so good. But look at Luke chapter twenty-four, starting with verse forty-six. I just really want to blow your minds right now. And these are passages, you know. And, and here here's the here's the tension for me. All right, 
We would, in, in so many of our churches where we hold high the word of God, we will hold high the word of God, but it's basically like we've torn certain passages out of the Bible and we've legalized it. We, we haven't actually, just in our hearts, we say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, who knows, who knows? That, that weirds me out. That's a, whoa, 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 you stay in there, right? Now look at this here. This is Luke chapter 24, verse, verse 46. And uh, verse 46, Luke chapter 24, verse 46, and Jesus is speaking now, and it says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance, hey, this is good stuff, right? And repentance and forgiveness of sins uh, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Like, this is, this is good stuff, beginning from Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say, you are witnesses of these things. And look at verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Now, now don't get Baptist on this one, guys, all right? Look at this. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. He's not saying you're getting saved. He's not saying you're going to be sealed. He's not saying the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. He's saying, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you, until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, so what Jesus is doing is he's commissioning his disciples, and, and he's preparing them for what's coming, and he's saying, you can't do this on your own, and you know it. What you say, you just lived with me for three years, and you can't do this on your own. Do not try to do it on your, uh, on your own. I'm going to send help, and it's going to look different than you ever knew. All right? This was prophesied about for in, in the back you know, the book of Joel and stuff. We'll get to that in just a moment. But he says, behold, I am sending. This is Jesus now. Jesus is sending the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, now, don't you know that when you put on clothes, you put them on the outside of your body? Don't you know that Jesus kind of was a, a master of language, and he could have used any words he wanted, but the words that he used were, you're going to be clothed with power. You're not going to, you don't put clothes on the inside of you. This is, this is a power on you. There's a power on you, clothed with power. There's so many things that Jesus could have said. Now, let's keep reading what Jesus is saying here. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 here for a moment. Have I lost you? All right, good. This is actually kind of fun, just kind of flipping around and just yelling at you then. <laughs> Look at this. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4. This is Jesus speaking again. You know, Jesus is in the book of Acts a couple times here, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, especially the first chapter here. And while staying with them, that, that's his disciples, this is the resurrected Christ speaking, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. And uh, it, Okay, you guys know. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John, ba listen, now he's quoting what we've already read. He's quoting John the Baptist. He's going back to what John the Baptist said about him. And he's saying, this is that. You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with, do you see that word? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom 
to Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. So, hey, listen, side note, all right, hit pause for a second. Anybody saying that they uh, received direct revelation and they they did some math with Noah's ark and whatnot, all right, and they know that the day that that, uh, Jesus is returning, Jesus says, I don't even know that. All right, why? Like, stop wasting your time and everybody's hearts on trying to figure it out. Just be faithful till he comes, right? Look at verse 8. But, but back in here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then he departed, he ascended into heaven. This is, this is, this is like, like, man, do, do we have to wrestle with this? Like, this is like, this is like really going into this. I can almost uh, begin to see, feel the tension mount in this room. Um, you know, it almost, because like, it's almost like some people are like, don't go there. Don't steal my church from me. But I'm like, hey, what's happening in my heart is I want to give the church back to Jesus. You know, I don't, this is, listen, this is not our church. Like, we're not, you're not losing your church here. If, you know, this is not, if you're just being stretched theologically, you're not losing your church. This isn't the church that I knew 10 years ago. Well, good. Like, it's always supposed to be changing, becoming more like Jesus. And that's the wrong terminology. It's not your church. Go back to Sunday school. You know, like, really, get like a, a theological understanding that if we're showing up here and we're trying to impose our view for what church should be from our heart onto God, like, that is backwards. So it, we're trying to figure out, Jesus, how do you, how do you want your blood-bought church, all right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice that Jesus is not saying to wait, hey, don't leave Jerusalem, wait until you're saved. He doesn't say, hey, wait until you're born again. He doesn't say, you know, wait in, in to Jerusalem until you've received the new birth in you. He doesn't say that. Jesus, what Jesus is doing is he's emphasizing power, and it's power for ministry, not power for performance, not not power to astound people, not power to make you feel good, even though you will, but it's it's not power for identity, it's not power, it's power for ministry to actually be able to do the Great Commission, to actually be able to do what Jesus did, to actually be able to live the Christian life instead of striving. This is what separates, uh, you know, uh, the, the law from grace. Grace is in the power of the Spirit. Law is just in the power of the flesh. This is, this is what does it. Like, and it's interesting. We, we speak about grace when we don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. What this is, that's not even how it works. Jesus is emphasizing power for ministry here, not conversion to Christ. Plenty of places in the Bible emphasize conversion to Christ, and we, we just blasted through like a dozen of them. This, though, Jesus is not emphasizing uh, uh, conversion to Christ. I, I, these guys are already saved. That's why they're waiting. And they're not waiting to be saved. They're waiting for power. Do you, listen, do you see that? While staying with him, he ordered it. Verse 4. Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard, you know, John baptized with water. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you power, guys. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Look at this one. I just want to say this too. As I feel like, as the tension rising, I'm willing to lose friends on this one. I already have. All right. I'm so willing to lose friends on this one because I, I purposed in my heart 
that I am going to be a, a friend of Jesus and be faithful to the, the scriptures, all right, more than to, to, to people's uh, groups. And if I just don't get invited back, that's okay, all right? So listen to this, though. Acts uh, 2.17, in the last days it shall be, uh, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, this is, this is actually Peter um, quoting Joel in Joel chapter 2, 28, before Jesus even showed up on the scene. And so, so Peter is recognizing, hey, what we're experiencing right now, not, not being saved, but being empowered to be on mission with God, this is what Joel was talking about. This is pretty amazing. This is what he was saying. That the emphasis here is not conversion. The emphasis uh, here is, is the power for testimony, the power for ministry, the power to be Jesus to a generation that is, that is lost. Have you ever tried to share Jesus with somebody and in your own strength? It doesn't work. It turns into a, just turns into an argument that has no power. But you, have you ever seen the Holy Spirit break through to a person's heart and they just begin to cry and they're just wrecked? and you just get to lead them, and it's just great. Guys, I remember, I was, I remember there was a, a time in my youth ministry when, when a, a tragedy happened. I just shared the gospel, and these kids were just coming to Jesus all over the place. It wasn't because I suddenly learned how to preach, or I, I had suddenly become an expert at, at gospel communication, all right? It wasn't because of what I did in my flesh. It's because what the Spirit was doing, and I got to just partner with Him, this is how the church is supposed to operate. And so what I'm calling this is this, what we've just been talking about right here, is baptism with the Spirit. Okay? Baptism with the Spirit. And let me give a, a definition. I, I uh, stole this definition from a theologian way smarter than me. All right? But it was just good. So I just want to share it. And I think it will help us kind of make some transition. And we're setting records here for the amount of people leaving. This is okay, Jesus. Yes. Uh, but uh, so this is what I'm calling baptism with the Spirit. Baptism with the Spirit is when a person who is already a believer receives extraordinary power for Jesus' ministry. It's when a person is already saved. Re then receives power. They have a, you know, we have in the charismatic world, we have all kinds of things. You know, you know, it's, it's fire, it's a power encounter, it's all this stuff. This, this, but it's baptism with the Spirit. It's it's actually it's, it, we we talked about of the Spirit. Now we're talking about with the Spirit. Grammatically, these are two. They have two different subjects. One of them of the Spirit. That's the Spirit doing the baptizing. This is with the Spirit. This is pointing us to the subject who is Jesus. And Jesus is actually baptizing people this time with the Spirit, who's not the subject. Jesus is the subject. He's baptizing people with the Spirit. It was the promise of the Father. Baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is the Holy Spirit baptizing believers into Jesus and into the body. Baptiz baptism with the Spirit is Jesus baptizing believers in or with the Holy Spirit for power. And what happens at... Uh, what happens when you read the book of Acts is many times, because you know, remember I was talking about uh, semantics and uh, you know, change of terms. I have a lot of people that disagree with the terminology on this, but practically speaking, we kind of line up. But what happens when, when you become a stickler for, for terms is, uh, is, is unnecessary conflict, um, and, uh, and, and you, we just kind of have to get over it. But what happens in, as you read the book of Acts is anytime uh, people, um, you know, 
have this experience. Many times it says well, they were filled with the Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly, or they spoke in tongues, or they were used in, in power. So filling with the Spirit, I'm okay with that terminology. That is, you know, you, you see that. But really, when you, when you look at this, the, the terminology that Jesus used was baptism with the Spirit. And so I'm great with that terminology too. It's, it's, it's my preferred preference there. And that, let, me, let me tell you this, you know, we've been reading a bunch of Acts and we're reading a bunch of this and that, but it, and the, uh, many times people will say, well, Nathan, you, you can't form theological uh, opinions on the book of Acts because it's narrative and it's not trying to really instruct. It's just kind of, it's, it's narrative. It's telling the story. Well, I would say this, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are narratives as well, all right? And you would never say that about them. You get all kinds of great theology from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all narrative. And actually, guess what? Luke, the doctor, wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Why, why suddenly, when Luke, when Luke is writing about Jesus, it's fine. When Luke is writing about the early church and the, the Acts of the Apostles, suddenly, yeah, you can't draw theological conclusions about that. Listen, listen to this. Listen. There are, the epistles are apostolic theological teaching and letters going out to the church. That, I, I'll give you that. And the goal of that was to love on the church and to instruct the church and to build good theology. But what Acts is, listen, what Acts is, is what good theology looks like. That's what Acts is. All right? We can learn from it. And we can learn for, okay, here's, here's the, the, the good theology in the epistles. I'll give you that. Acts is, man, okay, that, this is what that looks like. And when we read the epistles, and if you don't know what epistle means, it's, you know, it's the letters to the churches, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Colossians, Philippians, all of these, all right? 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter, right? Those are letters from apostles to the church. And so they're writing for their instruction. And then what happens when we read these, and then we form our own box for what we think that instruction should look like, it usually ends up looking different than Acts, and Acts is the place where you go to see what it actually looks like, all right? Now, I want to toss this out, too, because just to let you know that I haven't lost my mind, I've always believed this. This isn't new for me. This isn't like two weeks old. I've always believed this. I faithfully pastored this church. You know, October 27th will be 15 years of Providence. I've never, listen, I've never, never forced an agenda Always been Jesus, going after Jesus, going after Jesus. But what, what I know is after 15 years and then uh, 10 years in youth ministry and then in touch with lots of other pastors and churches, what, what, I, what I know is I took my foot off the Holy Spirit too much. And, and the church can, can fall into, even without trying it, even without wanting it, theologically speaking, but just in the rat race and all the need and all the stuff and all the thing and all the transition and all the pain and all the death threats, all the, all the sniper fire, you, you begin to settle in. And I, I'm, I'm just not okay with that. Do you know, though, that, that we're in good company? There's plenty of people that believe just like this that are not traditionally associated with what, what we would call the charismatic movement or Pentecostal denominations. Even though I, I said theologically, I'm not Pentecostal, all right? Um, I, I wanted to get into this, but I would be what they call, or what C. Peter Wagner would, he started a thing, a third wave. If you're evangelical, you just believe in all of the gifts, you believe in the Spirit doing his thing, you just want to let him out of the box, you want to go, but yeah, you really line up with a whole lot of, you know, uh, evangelical, the truth. That's where I find myself, 
all right? But, you know, do you know that, that uh, as far as baptism of the Spirit and with the Spirit, you know who, who else uh, believe this? is? is uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but his name's uh, Billy Graham. <laughs> Whoa, Billy Graham. Well, he must be in hell now, you know, because, uh, like, no, no, listen, listen. Um, there's a guy, like, and this guy's still alive, a theologian. He's a, he's a staunch Calvinist. He's like, you know, people would never associate him with, with uh, this kind of thing. But John Piper, all right? A guy, the, the best systematic theology uh, volume that I know of, uh, there's a lot of good ones, but if I was going to recommend one, it would be uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. The, the, you, this is what he will teach in that volume. Sam Storms, I don't know if you know him. He works with John Piper. He's a wonderful guy, great friend of Chris DePraise. All right? And there's lots of people. I could just uh, list off names. But I'm, I'm just saying, we've just avoided this so much that people that actually believe this and teach this, we, we, we don't even know, and it just sounds alien. This is just, guys, just the Holy Spirit, he, he, he wants to seal us, and then he wants to empower us. Like, this is, when you really boil it down, it, it's, 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 just, it's just that awesome, guys. All right? But two of my favorite guys, because my heart is attached to them, uh, being a, a Moody Bible Institute graduate, it's R.A. Torrey and D.L. Moody himself. And, and many of you don't know that R.A. Torrey actually pioneered baptism with the Spirit, and he started what we know today as fundamentalism. <laughs> this is so silly, all right? Because fundamentalism today takes it almost as its chief end to attack anything having to do with the Spirit. All right. And R.A. Torrey, who was one of the pioneers of this around 1900, do you know that R.A. Torrey is the one who laid the groundwork for the Welsh revival that Evan Roberts came in and picked the fruit? But R.A. Torrey did the plowing. All right. I, I, man, I, I, I walked through R.A. Torrey's halls in Chicago for four and a half years. So this, is, this, is, this wildness, uh, the, the people we demonize, the things that we feel like we have to be protected from, is Ari Torrey and D.L. Moody couldn't even, couldn't even be teachers at the Moody Bible Institute anymore because the fundamentalist groups, they got so, they got so strange and began to attack. Like, if, if Ari Torrey wanted to start, hey, let, let's get back to the fundamentals of Scripture, like, why wouldn't you trust him when it comes to the Spirit as well? This is the, the irony in that, it just, just gets me. Listen to this. I, I want to read this. This is a, a book that yeah, actually it keeps flying off the shelves in the resource center. But this is, you know how I kind of always say that I, I want us to be a church where Pentecostals and Presbyterians can worship side by side and figure it out. That's always been my heart and dream. All right? That's what I think a Jesus church is. All right? But actually, uh, one of our elders here, Lou Halstead, he actually found this. He goes, hey, Nathan, hey, here's a, here's a Presbyterian for you that believes in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, hey, wow. I start reading this, and he starts talking about uh, his name is uh, Zeb Bradford Long. He's a really great guy. I recommend this book for some of you who want a wild ride. But listen to this for a second. The sum of God's teaching for Tory at this time was that Christians can rely on the power of God for themselves and their ministries. This became his life message, his philosophy, his, his divine calling. Is it little wonder then that the message for which R.A. Tori is most remembered is a message about the baptism with the Holy Spirit as the main equipment for Christian ministry? All Tori was saying is, don't try to do ministry on your own. 
the Holy Spirit wants to supply the power. Tori saw the promise of the baptism with the Holy Spirit as the key to all successful ministry, just as it was for the New Testament church. Jesus had told his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here is a biblical command. Be my witnesses, linked with a biblical promise, power from on high. Tori saw the link and absorbed into his life and teaching both the command and the promise. To him, the baptism with the Holy Spirit was empowerment for service and witness taught by the Bible for the benefit of all Christians. He could see no exception or withdrawals of this biblical promise, one of the many that should be appropriated by faith in God's word. And as he did so for himself, Tori found God faithful to, to fulfill it in a way appropriate for him. The baptism with the Holy Spirit became the heart of his ministry of equipping others for Christian witness and service. Hey, listen, let, let me tell you what. You know why discipleship doesn't work in the church? It's not because our uh, programs aren't smooth enough. It's because we're trying to do it without the Holy Spirit. This is, this, this, is the, this is the problem. We've told the Holy Spirit where to go and when he can come out. And then we wonder why, why aren't people growing? The Holy Spirit baptism to Tori was not an experience of tongues, though he would later write about tongues and try to reinterpret the Pentecostal experience. So I wanted to get into uh, the Pentecostal, uh, you know, the Pentecostalism and uh, the charismatic movement and the third wave and all that. I just didn't have time today. But not, not everyone baptized with the Holy Spirit, taught Tori, does or should speak in tongues, just as not everyone baptized with the Spirit should become a full-time evangelist or preacher or missionary, another fallacy of that day. Tori foresaw the dangers in classical Pentecostal teaching and tried to warn the body of Christ. And he did a good job of it, so good that he got fired from everywhere he served. <laughs> Moody Bible Institute, and then Biola University. Because Biola University was right next to this place called Azusa Street. <laughs> all right? And Azusa Street, all this stuff was going on. And, and Tori's, Tori's fundamental friends started to attack what was happening at Azusa Street. So everywhere Tori went, he was, he was like ostracized. And he wouldn't stop saying, hey, no, Jesus calls it baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm going to do. This is, man, I've got so much to share with you. Let me just share a couple more things. Do you guys have like, like maybe three more minutes? here, all right? Listen to this. His insistence on the phrase baptism with the Holy Spirit may seem weird to some, but Tori believed that without a specific appropriation by faith of this biblical promise as equipment for ministry, the Western church, man, listen to this. This is right where we find ourselves. And this is the guy in 1900 saying this stuff, okay? The Western church would slide into self-reliance and worldliness, self-reliance, and worldliness. You know, you know, like being a pastor, you know, I, I feel like a, a lot of people, they're actually watching to see how well I perform instead of, hey, man, are you intimate with the Spirit? You know what I mean? But without, the, the, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Western Church would slide into self-reliance and worldliness and lose its spiritual vibrancy. Today's Tory, today, Tory's warnings seem justified since, to a large degree, this is what is has happened. On the other hand, Tori did not want the term baptism with the Spirit to become Pentecostalized. This too is just what happened. And so here's what happened. The, the Pentecostals, they, they got the term exclusively, and the evangelicals completely abandoned it. And so suddenly we have a schism on something. Listen, listen, th this is one of the main things in the church, and each side is trying to defend themselves against the other, and it's just wrong. 
one side is holding on to the Bible, the other side is, you know, hold on to the Bible, might I add, while ignoring many of its pages. And one side is holding on to the, uh, to the Spirit sometimes while ignoring the Bible. <laughs> and I just, I just really believe, was it, was it Wigglesworth that said when the, when the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together, that's going to be when revival comes? So guys, like, man, what's burning in my bones is like, you know, I, I love people that scream fire, 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 and all this stuff, and fall down, and, you know, fill us, and all that stuff. But really what I want to see is I want to see, I want to see the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God unite and cataclyze. That's what I would like to see. Man, there's so much good stuff here. Listen to this. Unfortunately, Tory lived to see fundamentalism become a narrow, sniping, dogmatized influence in America, devoid of the power of the Holy Spirit to win an increasingly skeptical, doubting world to Christ. And Dr. Tory's resignation from two Bible institutes was the harbinger of things to come among uh, fundamentalist and evangelical Christians. Fundamentalism would concentrate not on fulfilling the basics of faith and, and power to complete the Great Commission, but on gaining political control over seminaries and denominations against the perceived danger of liberalism. Evangelicals, for their part, could not see that it is by the power of God, not political control, that the soul of the church stays healthy. Guys, this, this is really wild. Let me tell you, uh, let me tell you one, one quick story. D.L. Moody um, was serving at the Young, Men, Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA. And he, uh, he, he was doing his best to be faithful. He, he was having a horrible time, okay? Horrible time because there was just no fruit and there was just a lot of pain and frustration. And so uh, one day uh, Moody's preaching, and the next day is the Great Chicago Fire, and Moody lost his house, and he lost the church. They lost everything. And he just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit drawing him into a a friend's room. And he just basically laid on the floor. And, uh, man, there's the account of it in here. I just don't have time to share, but you would like it. You can just see he just laid on the floor, and he cried out to God for hours. And his whole ministry after that was changed. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, R.A. Torrey, he put, he put a few steps down. He said, hey, you want to be baptized with the Spirit? Listen, you're sealed by the Spirit. Holy Spirit's living in you. Just, but you've got everything you need. Come on now, right? But then, but then R.A. Torrey says, listen, hey, step number one, accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior, right? That's it. The Holy Spirit d- doesn't baptize people not saved, all right? All right? And that, that should be a thing. If this hasn't happened for you, maybe you should say, hey, am I saved or do I... Am I saved? Or do I, do I need to actually come to really know Jesus, not the denominational flavor of him, but just him for who he is? Number two, repent from all known sin. That's what Tori said. Number three, make an ob- open public confession of faith in Christ. That's why, you know, that, that's called baptism, dogs, all right? <laughs> right? It's just you just do what the Bible says. Uh, number four, surrender your life fully to Christ as Lord and live a life of obedience. All right, man. I like it. Number five, earnestly desire. Man, and this, this is where we begin to lose it because earnestly desire the baptism with the Holy Spirit as empowerment for witness and service. Not say, I'm open to it, but begin to desire it. I said, well, I've got to, if he wants to, he, he wants to. What he wants is, is you to want to. <laughs> All right? Number six, pray definitely for it. Begin to pray for it. And number seven, R.A. Torrey says, accepted by faith regardless of initial signs. Now, this is where he kind of breaks tradition with some of the, uh, uh, our Pentecostal and charismatic friends, right? Um, but, uh, 
But listen to this. Sometimes when you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, you don't necessarily feel anything, but you've taken it by faith. And he's just saying, when, when, you're, when you're desirous of the baptism with the Spirit and you're praying definitely uh, for it, receive it by faith, whether uh, you, you can tell you have or not. So your hope is not in the manifestation. Your hope is that God has heard you and will do what you've asked. And that's why in the Gospels that Jesus says, hey, if your son asks for a, a bread, you won't give him a, a rock, right? And then he says, and, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but so will he give the Spirit to you liberally when you ask. Guys, stop putting our fingers over those scriptures, and we have to dig into them. So um, I'm way over time here. So here's, here's just what I want to do. I just want to give you time to hang out with Jesus and talk to him for a moment. And I'm just not, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to force a thing. You know, in my mind, I can imagine a great altar call, and I'm just up here just like, wow, receive it, receive it, wow. I just don't, I don't think that's what God wants to do. I think, I think like a good father or like a good mother, God just wants to walk people into a place. And it's, it's not like the man, listen, you're afraid of crazy manifestations, but the Holy Spirit is very gentle like a mom. <laughs> like a mother hen, Jesus says, this is what I want to do. I just want to take you right here. And so I think, I think your life could be changed if you begin to, let's, let's pray this prayer for a moment. God, I, I want to want what you want me to want. God, I want to want what you want me to want. And God, I just pray that outcry just for more of you would begin to emerge in the hearts of your people. And God, we're just looking at how we've led your church. Prayerlessly, barely even worried about what you want as long as people are coming and filling seats. And that kind of church we just don't want. So sick of that kind of church. It doesn't make disciples. It doesn't transform lives. God, we want our souls to burn with Holy Spirit fire again like it was always supposed to. So God, I just pray that you would give the grace and the strength, God, in these days. I pray that you would show us your power like we've never imagined. And I just pray for joy, bombs to go off, love, bombs to go off. I pray for a, a, to be able to actually encounter your heart as, as a body like we've never dreamed or imagined. Without, without, without music, with just you. So we just ask for this, God. I just pray that you would lead us by the hand in these days, that you would touch us. We're yours. We trust you. We fully surrender to you. Just touch people right now, God. Even in their seats, just touch people right now. Just come to them. Just show them that. Show them the Father running down the road to them. Just run to people. Meet them in their seats. Tackle them with your love. Change their lives. I ask this and pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.